Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. This is the fifth installment of the Teach Better Conference bonus episodes. In this episode, my guests are the talented Kevin Butler, Suzanne Daly, and Nick Sutton, as we discuss work-life satisfaction, mentorship and leadership, creating impactful school improvements, and our guest educational podcast. My first guest is Nick Sutton. Nick is a superintendent and the co-host of Learning Through Leading, and I had the pleasure of sitting next to him during this Teach Better conference in Podcasters Row. It was great to meet Nick and learn how he is impacting his school district each and every day. All right, welcome everyone to the Spire Podcast, and I am on site at Teach Better 19, and I'm so excited to have so many different guests. So we're going to do some small interviews, and this morning I have Nick Sutton, superintendent, and he is going to be speaking to us about his session and just the passion that he has behind that. So Nick, if you don't mind starting us off, what is your session all about? I I appreciate that. The basic background is I'm going to dive into building quality district-level professional development plans. I think so much of that is going to be relational to what kind of climate a building has because if you are if you're a leader that's really trying to empower and improve your teachers it, that's a that's an environment people get excited about and so uh, I spent a couple of years doing research uh, part of my dissertation work kind of made me realize there really seems to be some best practices when you do this and it's something that um, I like talking about. I feel like I'm at a point that I have kind of pinpointed some some guiding um, ways that people can can build quality professional development, and I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, you're a superintendent, so professional development. What are some things that you're doing at your district that you're trying to change in regards to professional development? I think to a certain extent, I kind of came in with the mindset that I, I started looking at what was previously being done, and it's not necessarily a dig on anything that was there, but I didn't feel like there was a central theme. And I even get a little bit nervous and apprehensive when I see school improvement days having some sort of training that's not instructionally based. Because I think instruction needs to be the universal foundation for all professional development. And I think it also takes away that classic comment that you sometimes hear when you do something at a district of, this doesn't apply for me. Oh, this doesn't really apply to what I do. And it's like, whether you're a pre-K teacher or 12th grade calculus, if you do a lot of professional development that's based on instruction, I would be a little concerned if a teacher came to me and said, well, that doesn't apply to me. Um, And so I think I really kind of went with that mindset that everything we're going to do is going to be based upon instruction. And then I think you really just kind of look at teachers auditing themselves instructionally. You know, what do they do? Is this best practice? Is this not best practice? And then really just kind of exposing them to to kind of a clearinghouse of, Here's all these different options of how you can improve. Um, you have the autonomy of how you want to do that, but the goal is we're going to put lots of tools in your toolbox, but whatever you do needs to be based upon research so that we can have the best impact on kids. Yeah. So you're a superintendent. So what was the biggest change from going as a principal, because I know you were a principal, to the superintendent position? I, I think outside of the obvious, I mean, I, I have to build a district budget. I have to have that sort of responsibility. Um, working with the school board, the monthly school board meetings. I mean, those ones are obvious. Sure. A lot of times I get asked, you know, don't you miss being around the kids? Don't you miss this other stuff? 
And my answer is no, because I still do that. Yep. Because I decided that was going to be a priority for me. And so I still do a lot of classroom walkthroughs. I still, I still go to the junior high basketball game. I still do that kind of stuff. And I think it's because I decided I still wanted to be that guy. Sure. Um, and so I, I think it's exciting being in that position where you have a little bit more of an opportunity to lead change than you did as a building principal. Um, but there are absolutely parts of the being a principal that, that I do miss. Yeah, sure. So I know you're a fellow podcaster. And yeah, you have your yes, own sir. podcast. You actually are in Podcast Row with me. Yeah. Glad to be a neighbor of yours. So will you just explain to our aspiring leaders kind of what your podcast is all about and why you started that? My podcast is Learning Through Leading. Um, and really why it came to fruition is I, I was looking for educational podcasts that really talked about instruction and professional development. And I wasn't finding exactly what I was looking for. Um, there's lots of wonderful educational podcasts out there, and I kind of wanted to create what I was trying to find. And so we really try to have the focus on, we're going to talk about what the research says. We're going to talk about best practices. We're going to talk about, okay, this education, education, educational leader is doing this, and okay, how did that work? What, what are you doing exactly that hopefully like the takeaway that somebody listens to it is they have a concrete sequential idea of oh this is exactly what I can implement now this work there and I, I really enjoy it because I think I think it's really an opportunity to kind of network at such a broader level than than you're naturally able to you know wherever you work and whatever platform you have so I really enjoy it. Yeah. So next, for our aspiring leaders, if they don't have a position but they're looking to obviously get to a higher position, what advice do you have for them? I think if anything, there's no such thing as luck. You either work hard or take advantages of opportunities or somebody else will. Um, I sometimes meet wonderful, awesome teachers that'll say, well, I just, I'm not sure if I am an expert enough. I don't know if I think I know enough yet. And it's like, I don't think you ever reach that point. And I think if you meet somebody that thinks that they have, that should be concerning. It's To me, it's more about you got to create a culture and climate that people feel comfortable, people are excited, people feel like they're supported, but people also have enough rapport with you that they're okay with you holding them accountable and having high expectations. I, I think it's if you have those intangible traits that it's like you're more focused on building an environment and an atmosphere than anything else, then then go for it. If, if you have that motivation that you want to have a broader impact, that's the variable. Not being an expert in everything, there's no such thing. Well, I appreciate your time, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, and uh, I look forward to hearing from your session and seeing you uh, in podcast row. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Definitely check out Nick's Learning Through Leading podcast. He has a wonderful recap on the Teach Better 19 conference where I had the opportunity to sit down with him and discuss my presentation on restorative practices. My next guest is someone I met early in the conference, and she has just this wonderful perspective on balancing our lives to make sure that we are creating a workplace that has life satisfaction. At the Teach Better conference, and I am so excited to have Suzanne Daly, an instructional coach, with me right now, and she just presented at the Teach Better conference, and I just want to know what was it, Suzanne, that you were talking about? Uh, it was great. I had such a good group. We were talking about the well-balanced teacher. Okay. What are the practices we do that are based in research that can help promote our well-being, our happiness, our balance? 
so that we are the best people we can be for our students and our families. Yeah, so this is such an important topic because I feel like there's so many different educators that are getting burnt out. So what are some tips and tricks that you presented that provided some balance in our educators' lives? So we had to bust the myth, first of all, that there's no such thing as work-life balance. It just doesn't exist. So positive psychologists will invite us to think of work-life satisfaction. So what are the things that we can do? Small measurable shifts that can really help with that. We talked about the importance of gratitude, strong social relationships, being a rational optimist, scanning for the good. Um, But it's really exciting because researchers will tell us about 10% of our life is non-negotiable. We can't really impact it or change it that much, but that leaves 90%. So that's really um, empowering for us. So, So if we learn it as teachers and we can then help our students understand some of these small shifts it's just can set us up for a successful happy life That's yeah amazing. i love the topic so let's dive into you as a professional yeah. so you're an instructional coach so what led you down that pathway so i work for the central buck school district we're the third largest district in pennsylvania so we serve about eighteen thousand kids 600 teachers are elementary teachers so i have the privilege to either to workshops or teaching classrooms, give non-evaluative feedback, and just help people when things are going really, really well, but also sometimes when the wheels fall off, we help them get them right back on. (laughs) Part of the balance, right? Yeah. So in regards to your position, what is one initiative that you're extremely proud of? I'm really proud of the emphasis we've been having on social-emotional wellness for our students. It's such a pivotal, foundational skill set that we need our students to have. And every year that goes on, I think the need is shown more and more clearly. But the charge for me as the instructional coach is making sure that the social-emotional wellness of our teachers are as healthy as they can be as well so that we can best serve our kids. Yeah, so that's kind of a mindset, Jeff. So has it been difficult with your teachers? Because a lot of teachers, they're thinking, oh, we're going to cover the curriculum, but we're not really focused on the social-emotional piece Mm -hmm. of our students. So has that been difficult, or has the transition been smooth? Unfortunately, it has not been a challenge, and I say that because it's so overt with our kids now. Sure. They just need so much additional support yes. and strategies and a framework to, to work from. So the, the need is there. Um, it's a lot of hard work, but it's really important work that I think many colleagues see the value in. So if there's a district out there that maybe hasn't really touched on social-emotional learning in general, what is maybe a first step for, for them to really hone in on that important topic? I guess the first manageable step would be prioritizing some time and space for that to happen in the classroom. So some schools will say it's non-negotiable. The first 10 minutes of school is morning meeting time, right? And I know with some with schedules that's sometimes a challenge, but it's a challenge that's worth trying to figure it out. So for everything to kind of shut down and just sit down and, and talk with each other is really important. And it becomes a sacred time that makes a positive impact long term. So this is a leadership development podcast, so I always like asking my guests if there is someone out there listening to this podcast, Mm -hmm. what advice do you have them in regards to becoming a leader? I'm going to steal it from Brene Brown. Can I do that? Let's do it. I'm sure she's listening. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So Brene, I would steal how she starts every every opportunity she has for leadership. She repeats the same three words again and again. People, people, people. So starting with those relationships supporting people when things are going well and when things are not going well and when that is a a, a true genuine relationship 
then that's when the next step can happen. I love it. Yeah. So how can our listeners connect with you on social media? Oh, um, on Twitter, I'm at Daily Suzanne. And um, you can see all the great things that we're doing in our, in our school district to support social emotional wellness. And there's lots of other great stuff we're doing too. We'd love to share. Yes, I can't wait. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. And it's been a Thanks, pleasure Josh, to connect yeah. with you over the Teach Better 19 <laughs> conference. Now we're face to face. Yes, we are face to face. I first connected with Suzanne on Twitter, and that was one of the most enjoyable aspects of this conference was connecting on social media with so many amazing educators and then having the opportunity to sit down and really pick their brain about what they're doing on their campus, in their district, to really make an impact as a leader. Now, before I share the interview with my next guest, I have to tell a funny story. Before the conference even began, I dropped by the venue to help out the Teach Better team set up and get ready for the conference. And there was a gentleman the main stage, and he was blowing up balloons, and I had no idea who it was. Come to find out, it is Kevin Butler. If you're on Instagram, you know exactly who Kevin Butler is. He's an amazing educator who is making a giant impact in the classroom. After getting to know him more, I asked him to be on the podcast. Kevin said he had never been on a podcast before, and he was a little apprehensive. And because of that experience, Kevin now has his own podcast called Lights, Camera, Teach. He's on his third episode. Make sure you check it out on iTunes or any other podcast platform. Now, I do have to warn you, there was a session getting out as soon as I was talking with Kevin, so there is some background noise, and I do apologize, but Kevin is going to be a guest on the Aspire podcast soon, so we're going to expand on what we talked about during this episode. All right, we are at the Teach Better 19 conference, and I have the pleasure of sitting across the table from Kevin Butler, who is a director of curriculum and instruction in California. Kevin, thank you so much for being with me. Oh, my pleasure. And so, Kevin, I know that you have been presenting the last two days, so we just give our aspiring leaders just kind of a gist of what you've been talking about at the Teach Better conference. Sure. Uh, my session is titled Creating the Experience, um, which really focuses around on student engagement and really getting kids to be active in their own uh, learning. So I talk a little bit about the many room simulations I do and really connecting um, content to those, uh, to those For aspiring leaders that don't know what a director of curriculum instruction does, what is it that you do each and every day? It sounds really fancy, but um, <laughs> for most of the day, I'm a fifth grade teacher, so I teach math, social studies, and reading. And then the director of curriculum and instruction part comes in more of, if I see anything out there that looks like something our school wants to adopt, I'll research it. If anyone at the school, including teachers or other administrators, see something, I kind of preview it first. Um, I also kind of act as the middleman between the teachers and our upper administration. Um, I filter a lot out for sure. That's awesome. Okay, so for aspiring leaders that may love instruction in regards to the curriculum aspect of it, and they're thinking about doing that and moving forward with that in the career path, what is some advice you have for them? Try it out over this summer if you're able to, uh, when you're not in the classroom, and I'll try to get a really good mentor. The person, my person right above me, um, our upper director is a great person um, who has mentored me a lot because I've been a teacher for 17 years. It's only my third year in this role, and it is very different. Um, and it's a whole different mindset, and I feel like I'm a pretty good teacher, but, but I'm not a great administrator yet. So. Finding somebody who will really be your mentor, uh, and if you're able to jump into it over the summertime, yeah. So you let's talk about the struggle. You just said yourself, like you're experiencing this. This is your third year in, and you're feeling like maybe there's some skills that you don't 
yet possess. So would you mind just sharing with our listeners kind of what some of those struggles you've had? Sure. Um, I think so. I'm a perfectionist, yeah. so I want everything done to the best ability. Um, and then when you see teachers who may not be living up to what you think is perfect, um, really like communicating with that, you know, with those teachers and being able to, to talk to them, and I mean, it's, it's challenging. Yeah, it's definitely challenging. Yeah. And those conversations are probably somewhat uncomfortable, especially uh, as you're experiencing that for the first time. And, and that's something you don't really get a lesson in as far as in school, as far as leadership. So um, is, is it really the mentorship piece of getting that wisdom from your mentor? So important. Yeah. So I'm really lucky to be at a school who has put a lot of time in that for me. Right. So I'm really appreciative. That's awesome. Yeah, mentorship is so, so key. And some of my guests have talked about that as being a huge inspiration to them, but also as far as a practical sense um, that they couldn't do their leadership job without that mentorship. So I'm so glad that you said that. Um, and I'm in that unique ability where I'm a position where I am a teacher also. So yeah. I'm their colleagues. Sure. Yeah. Never their boss, yeah. but they also know that I have a very quick link to yep. the administration. <laughs> yes. So that trust is really important. Too. Right. So. You talked about before in regards to really honing in on the environment and trying to make it really interactive with your students. So what is something that you've implemented on your campus that you're really proud of? I guess just that idea of student engagement. So we do a lot of room simulations. So um, as part of the instructional piece of my uh, job title, a lot of teachers will come and observe me do lessons. Um, so a lot of my lessons are like transformations. Just recently I turned the whole room into um, basically into Disney and have been on Indiana Jones and yeah. what my classroom looked like. Um, and they were archaeologists um, trying to dig for artifacts. Um, so teachers have taken those ideas of true engagement and have done their own little transformations and getting invited to see them and in action is just pretty cool. That's so cool. Alright, so for our listeners now, they're connecting with you through this interview and want to learn more about what you're doing. How can they connect with you on social media? Instagram is the best place, so it's um, at the Kevin J. Butler. But Adam Welcome last night just convinced me to try Twitter. <laughs> yes. So I am now officially on Twitter. Yes. But you have to give me time because I, I really don't know much about Twitter yet. <laughs> well, my listeners know I love Twitter. Um, that is kind of where my journey began and, and really where the podcast was created. So I agree with Adam <laughs> and say, yes, please definitely get on Twitter. And for my listeners too, if you're not on Twitter, you need to because as far as professional development. I know both Instagram and Twitter is, is life-changing for those who are at this conference speaking. So, uh, Kevin, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And hopefully we can talk soon and really dive into your position more on the Aspire podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to the fifth installment of the Teach Better conference. I probably only have enough material for one more episode, and that will be the extent of the bonus episodes from the conference. I really enjoyed the experience of being on site and actually being across the table from my guest. If anyone is out there listening to this podcast and has a conference that is looking for a podcast to be on site, please let me know. You can reach out to me at joshstamper.com. Also, I'll be on site for the DBC PyroCon in June in San Diego, California. Can't wait to be there to be on site and interview all the wonderful authors from Dave Burgess Consulting. Make sure you check out the next episode with Alicia Ray, the author of Educational Eye Exam.